Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for We're in Judges uh, 11. We're going to recap the end of Judges 11 because there's a very, very hard story in there. And when you first read it, you're like, wow, that's just messed up, man. So we're going to recover that real quick. And uh, maybe you've seen it yourself and you're reading before. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But let's just go through it together and let's see what God's got in His Word. Jephthah had just gone through and he was going to go fight uh, the, the Ammonites. And so Judges 11 and verse 30 is where I want to begin. It says, uh, he's, he's going to go fight him. It says, and verse 30, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Oh, that was a rash thing to say. That was kind of shooting your mouth off. He didn't know what was going to come out the door. He didn't really think things through. I appreciate his drive. He's talking with confidence. We're going to win. But he, he said a little too much. Judges 11 and 34. When Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. And she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass, when he saw her, that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your your enemies, the people of Ammon. Then she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months, that I may go and wander on the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I. So he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months. And she went with her friends and bewailed her virginity on the mountains. And it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father, and he carried out his vow with her, which he had vowed. She knew no man. And it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went four days each year to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite. Imagine reading that and thinking, what am I supposed to do with that on Sunday? (laughs) That's my first reaction. But there's always God telling you things, and there's always digging and what's going on. Because this is a messed up story, guys. I'll just be real with you. Hard story to read. And I know there's people that are thinking to themselves, did this really happen? Yeah, it did. Just as it says, did Jephthah really sacrifice her as a burnt offering? This doesn't sound right. Now, first off, before we go any further in this, I want you to understand, 
I want you to know that God never instructed Jephthah to do this. He never told Jephthah to do this, to sacrifice her like that. Now, even though Jephthah made this vow, do you see anywhere in the text, you look in there, do you see anywhere where God held him to that vow? God ever say, Jephthah, you made the vow, you're going to do it. Did God ever say that? No, he didn't. God didn't make him do this. Now, even though Jephthah made the vow, that doesn't make God accountable to that. That's not our place to point at God and go, oh God, how could you dare? This isn't God that did this. This is Jephthah did this. Nowhere does it say that God made Jephthah follow through with this vow. In fact, God has his own viewpoint about human sacrifice of this nature, as stated in Leviticus 20 and 1. I want to show you what God thinks of this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. That's what they did. They sacrificed like that. He says, no, I'm not having this. That's God's viewpoint of the whole thing. Don't do it. So here comes the question that everybody's thinking. So then why did Jephthah go through with this? Why did he do it? In my studies, I've seen scholars try to do scriptural gymnastics of this story. They're trying to make sense of this passage. Some scholars think they have to try to defend the Bible by making some kind of explanation for Jephthah uh, that maybe actually really Jephthah commuted his daughter's fate from being burnt sacrifice uh, instead to make her a lifetime virgin because it says she knew no man. He put her in the sanctuary uh, in Israel, and that's why she knew no man. I'm sorry I don't see that in the text. It says he carried out the vow. That's what it says. That's why I'm wrestling with this story so hard. I believe she was actually offered up as a sacrifice. It says he fulfilled his vow. But the problem with a story like this is that people get so upset at this, and rightfully so, but they feel they have to bend the Scriptures all up into a knot to try to get some other kind of conclusion out of it. Well, surely this didn't happen. God wouldn't allow this, and I'm going to make up my own thing. Well, if you're going to do that to this story, you're going to do that to all the stories. You're going to start making a habit of tangling the Bible all up to make it sound right to you. So we, we don't get the right to do that. We have to go by what the Bible says. What it said is how it is. So he offered her up. You cannot fix things in the Bible that you don't like the sound of. The Bible says Jephthah fulfilled the vow, and so here we are. And we have to grapple with that as a hard truth. So now the question bites us again. How do you make sense of a story like this? That was my thought process going into studying this, because I know the story, I'm like, well, now I've got to teach it. (laughs) What is there, what's in here for us? What do you do with this? Now, before anybody blows a gasket on me, I'm not saying that you can't make sense out of the Bible. The Bible always makes sense. What I'm saying is you can't make sense out of Jephthah. Big difference. Don't fault the Bible. I'm pointing at Jephthah here. So I'm not saying you can't make sense of the Bible. I'm saying you can't make sense out of what Jephthah did because people have this habit of blaming God for the things that men do. Somebody cut me down. Somebody did this. Somebody did that. And the first thing they do is they shake their fist at God. God, why did you do this? God didn't do it. Jephthah did this. We need to remember that man, all people, we're all messed up, we're sinners, and we do dumb things. And sin makes us do foolish things, and those foolish things causes damage. 
doesn't it? How many of you have ever done something wrong and it made a mess? I, more than I can count. <laughs> That's why I'm glad I'm saved. But one thing we got to remember here, remember, Jephthah is half pagan. Remember that? He's half pagan. He's the son of a prostitute. And that's why he was banished from having any upbringing or any inheritance that his brothers had. So you got this guy that's half pagan. He's half this, half that. He's got a lot of cultural things swimming in his head, doesn't he? He had hostile ways of thinking. He had pagan culture in the way he thought. That influenced him to think he needed to sacrifice his daughter as a burnt offering. His upbringing, his culture, his, the way he lived his life, and the people he hung around with said, this is what we do, this is the way to do it. So that's why he made that vow. I'm going to offer us burnt sacrifice. God never said to do that. Your culture told you to do that. Be careful what culture tells you what to do. Don't just, okay, culture does it, so I'm going to do it. Well, I, I'm going I'm to try to make it godly, and I will over-spiritualize it. And God, if we win against the Ammonites, I'll take the first thing that comes out of my door and sacrifice it. That's what he did. I see people do the same thing today. God, if you'll just get me out of this, then I'll go and do that. Well, God ne- didn't tell you to do that. Oh, it's not just Jephthah we're mad at now, are we? But, Ray, the story is absolutely terrible. Yes. It is. You know why it's terrible? Because sin is terrible. Sin is bad. That's why Jesus was condemned to die by crucifixion. If you could ever see a crucifixion, it is the most terrible thing you've ever seen. And why did Jesus have to go through something terrible? Because sin is terrible. And what Jephthah did is absolutely terrible too. But in this scenario with Jephthah, He just had to shoot his mouth off, and it caused him to make a bad decision that sin told him to do. God never told him to do it. Sin told him, his culture, his bad bad ways, told him to do it. And he felt he had to go through with it. God did not approve of this human sacrifice like this. God never told him to do it. God never held him to that vow. This is Jephthah doing this. God didn't push him. I want to show you again. Uh, Something else. Jeremiah 32 and 35 says, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I did not command them. See what God says? I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination. That's how God views what Jephthah did. He didn't tell him to do it. He didn't even think to tell him to do it. That's how God views this. He never pushed that. It's an abomination to him. You see, the problem here with this story is not God. The problem here with the story is Jephthah. Anytime you see a problem, I guarantee you it's not God. (laughs) It's you. (laughs) It's me. Somehow. God didn't make the vow. He never held Jephthah to doing it. Do you see any text written that says God made Jephthah carry it out? I keep bringing it up because I want to make sure we get this. No, you don't see that. We did see text that says that the Holy Spirit came upon Jephthah to battle the Ammonites, but we never saw text that says the Holy Spirit was upon him to sacrifice his daughter. You got to observe what the text does say, and you also have to know what the text does not say. Because you don't get the right to assume things, okay? God never told him to do this. Now, if there's anything we can get out of this, 
is that we should take note of the attitude of Jephthah's daughter. I, re- oh, I keep thinking, what if I was in her position? Look at what she said. Look at what she said. She knows what just happened. Her dad just went and fought the Ammonites, but she showed us her perspective in verse 36, that she was willing to submit herself. She considered her life worth being sacrificed if it meant that the Lord avenged them of their oppressors. Wow. Okay, bad on Jephthah's part, but look what she's thinking about it. If if my life is worth saving all these people, then let's do it. Wow. Makes me think of Jesus. If it's going to save all these people, I'll sacrifice myself. I think that's pretty good. I think that's real good. And so because of her, I think we should also remember, like I said, the Lord Jesus Christ submitted himself, his life he considered worth sacrificing to save us from our oppressors, from our enemies. I'm telling you, if you look hard enough, you can see the gospel in this story. (laughs) Wow, there it is. There's the gospel and the picture of the daughter. And so you've got two people in this story. Jephthah, you have his daughter. Jephthah makes a devastatingly foolish decision that ended up hurting a lot of people. Yet the Lord used him to do great things in his name anyway. It really helps you to think to yourself, if the Lord can do great things through someone as messed up as Jephthah, then the Lord can do great things through someone as messed up as me. You see that? And so like Jephthah did, I I know that you've done things that you're not proud of. I'm sure this was tough for Jephthah to wrestle with, to deal with. How do do I keep going from here? It's my only child. Everybody's going to be mad at me. I know you've done things you're not very proud of, that you've messed up, like Jephthah did. Then the Lord can still do great things through someone like me and you. I know you've done things that have hurt other people. You ever done things that hurt other people, and it hurt them bad, and you just couldn't let it go? And it still sits on your head, and it just crushes you, right? We've done things that make absolutely no sense and you're being pressurized under the tension of all the bad things you've done, and it's causing great lamenting. Just like the daughter and her friends went off to lament, it causes great lament because you think you are somehow absolutely bound to go through with this misery. These things that you have done that's caused so much pain, and you're just stuck in it, you have to go through it. Friends, God never commanded you to go through with this. He never told Jephthah, you have to go through with this. The pain on you for the things you've done wrong that hurt other people, God never commanded you to go through that either. What should Jephthah have done? He should have realized that God had a way out. Jephthah should have realized that God gave him the legal option to bring someone out from under a curse. He considered his daughter under curse. Well, I have to go through with this. He didn't realize, no, God's like, I gave you, there's a way out from under curse. Had he only realized that, he could have told his daughter, you don't have to go through this. It'll be fine. I want you to know that there is a way out from under curse. It's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah Jesus Christ. That's the way out. 
If it pains you so deeply that Jephthah pushed on his daughter to push her through unnecessary misery on her and himself because of his mistakes, then we got to ask ourselves the similar question. Why do we hold on to the misery of our mistakes when God never commanded us to go through it? He never told you, you have to go through that, when in fact, He actually never had it even enter His mind. Remember that from that verse? Didn't even go through His mind that you should have to go through this. You want to know what did go through God's mind on this subject? Let me show you. John 3.17 God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's what went through God's mind. That daughter was Jephthah's only child. Jesus was God's only begotten Son. Do you think that God knows what it's like to see His only Son sacrificed so that others might be saved? You think God has that perspective? I think He does. It happened. Now, as hard of a story as this is, if you really got to get some sense out of this story, if anything, I want you to know that even though you've messed up and messed up bad and hurt other people, like Jephthah, God can still use you. He can still use you. But don't go through unnecessary misery. God never commanded you to do it. He gave you a way out. If only Jephthah hadn't recognized this. I'm asking somebody out there that hears my voice, do you recognize this yet? The pain and misery you're going through, Lord, why, Lord, why? God's given you a way out. He never told you you have to go that route. Take the way, Jesus Christ, and get out from under it. God will use you greatly. Now, if he can use Jephthah, he can use you too. You know, I've seen people walk in misery. I was one of them. The reason I can recognize it is because I did it for so long. (laughs) I've seen people that walk through misery and pain for years because they just can't get over the things they've done. They just can't get past it. It just sits on them like a weight. That's what Jephthah did. It just sat on him. I have to go through with this. I have to do. No, he didn't. And neither do you. You don't either. I'm speaking from experience here, guys. Why do people push on in misery when they could just let it go and let it go to the cross and be dealt with on Jesus Christ? If you can look at Jephthah's life in a fishbowl and go, Jephthah, you should have let her go. You should have let your daughter out from under that curse. Then why don't we do the same thing for ourselves? Why don't we look at our life and go, why don't I just let this go? Well, it's not that easy, right? Well, maybe it is. It was hard for Jesus. He made it so that it could be easy for us. Just let it go. Why don't we let it go? Don't allow yourself to be caught in the same trap that Jephthah thought he was caught in. He was conflicted between his culture and from what God's Word says. Choose the freedom that God's Word permits you. Choose the freedom that God's Word offers you. Galatians 3 and 13, it says, Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus went through that not so you could just walk all hunched down for all time going, oh, I can't get over what I did. I can't get over what I did. He didn't go through the cross so that you could live like that. He never told you to do that. He's not holding you to do that. He's not making you do that. He says, take my way out and let it go and be free. (laughs) 
So good. Maybe you've been under unnecessary guilt. Somebody hearing me today, I know it. You've been under a heavy weight, and it's killing you. It's just killing you. You're not enjoying life. You can't sleep well. You're not breathing easy. It's just everything is, every minute of the day is just pressure. It's time to take all that weight that you've been carrying around that's been breaking you and let it go. Let it go to the cross. Let it go. You don't have to go through this anymore. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. I can't take this anymore. If you have that in your life, those words, I can't take this anymore, you need the freedom that Jesus Christ offers you. That's what you need. And I'm telling you where, he's at, where the freedom's at. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your way out. You don't have to go through this anymore. So right now, be set free. Be set free in the name of Jesus. Be set free in Jesus' name. And you don't have to bear all that lamenting pain anymore. Be done with it. God is not commanding you to go through it. He's offered you a way out. You know, I think we need to realize what forgiveness actually is. I didn't quite understand fully what forgiveness is until I spoke to a banker. <laughs> I asked a banker one time, because I heard about loan forgiveness. I said, what is, what is forgiveness? What is that? And they will tell you, from an accounting point of view, it's the canceling of a debt. I went to my old college that I had gone to in the 90s, and I went to go visit people, and uh, I went to see the accountant, and she oh, I hadn't seen you in a long time. They're like, guess what, Ray? I just happen to have the paperwork of Marvin so-and-so. You remember Marvin? I said, oh, yeah, I remember Marvin. I'm like, after all these years, why do you just happen to have Marvin's paperwork on your desk? And she goes, I'm forgiving his loans. And I said, what does that mean? She goes, oh, I'm canceling the debt. I said, wow, I want that. How do you get your debt canceled? She goes, oh, um, Marvin died. And I went, oh, I remember Marvin well. That's when I realized for the loan to be forgiven, somebody had to die. He had to die. Your debt, sin debt, has been erased, canceled. It's just, it's just gone because Jesus died with it on him. So guys, if he took care of it and he offers to get, a, get, get it thrown away with and thrown out in the trash and, and flushed and whatever, gone, buried, why are you still acting like it's still on you? Two things. You think you have to go through it or you're not saved yet. And you need to get the real salvation of Jesus Christ. Let it go. I'm not saying your problem should be nothing and just get over it. And water. I'm not being like that. I'm saying there is freedom in Jesus Christ. Cash in on it. He did forgive it. What's the point of walking around with that grief when the debt is gone? What was the point of Jephthah walking around and making his daughter go do all that lamenting when he could have told her, look, you don't have to go through with this? I'm asking you the same question. Why put yourself through all that when you don't have to? When you realize that the blood of Christ buys you out from under the curse of sin, then what's the point of agonizing over your past? Be free. Be free in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.